So, uh, uh, hi, it's Graham here. Sorry to interrupt your podcast listening like this, but uh, I wondered if you could do us a little favour. I haven't told Carol I'm going to do this, and frankly, I'm not sure she's going to find out. Let's maybe keep it that way, shall we? Uh, I don't think she listens to the podcast, so she won't hear that I've tacked this on to the beginning. But the European Security Blogger Awards, they're about to happen, and Smashing Security has been nominated in a couple of categories. Huzzah, huzzah! You can vote in the awards for your favourite security blogs and security podcasts, hint, hint, but you've only got a few days before the voting closes. So do it today. Do it now. Hit pause. Oh, not before I've told you the URL. It's smashingsecurity.com slash vote. That will redirect you through magic to the voting form. And, well, hey, made the best podcast co-hosted for the last six or so years by a Brit and a Canadian win. Um, yeah, over to you. Smashingsecurity.com slash vote. Thank you very much. We love you all, uh, at least the people who vote for us. Uh, but for now, back to your normal service. And uh, sorry about this interruption. The question I wonder throughout the series is whether the Messiah figure is a con artist or not. Right? And they play on it. Like they revealed that when he was a boy, he entertained people with magic on the streets. As I remember, in one of the parables, Jesus does saw a woman in half. That was one of the tricks he pulled off in the New Testament. Did he then get one of those big hula hoops running around him? Smashing Security, episode 161. Love, Lucky Dips, and 23andMe, with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security, episode 161. My name's Graham Cluley. And I'm Carol Terrio. Hello, Carol. Hi, Groham. Oh, strange. Uh, and we're joined today by a special guest. We have someone who's never been on the show before. Shockingly enough, it is Tom Langford. Hello, Tom. <laughs> well, 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 hello. It's it's funny you should say never been on the show before because I'm really pleased to be on this inaugural episode. I have to say, so <laughs> yes. so honoured yes, to be yes. on on this very first Graham Cluley Smashing Security Carol. I can't pronounce your surname. You know, Terrio. to be on the very first one, the Terrio. Yeah, it's like Terrio. Ontario without the O-N, you see. Got you. But yeah, to be on the very first one is such an honour and privilege. Now, Tom, <laughs> I'm sure lots of people do know who you are, but for those people who don't, who are you? Why should we care? And is it true you're the sole founder of Host Unknown? Well, let me answer those in uh, reverse order. Yes, I am the sole founder of Host Unknown. There is only one. You can ask all three of us and we all agree. <laughs> um, and who I am, I'm uh, ex-CISO. It's a bit like when people leave the army, they like to retain their titles, you know, because it makes You're them... You're like self- a Vietnam vet. It makes, yeah, exactly. It makes them feel self-important, you know. I've left the army 20 years ago, but you can call me colonel. You know, <laughs> I work three hours a day now, but I used to really work hard. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So... So I used to work hard. I'm rather proud of the fact that I managed to double the average tenure of a CISO by staying there for just over four years. Uh, (laughs) But the last year, I set up by myself own consultancy, blah, 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 TL2 security. Been doing that this last year. It's been um, more fun and harder work than I expected. And (laughs) I'm looking forward to another year of it, to be honest with you. Huzzah! Fantastic. Kroll, what is coming up on today's show? 
Well, first, thanks to this week's sponsor, LastPass. Its support helps us give you this show for free. Now, on today's show, Graham tells us how a national lottery hacker got his just desserts. Tom is visiting the shadier and, dare I say, seedier side of the Japanese love hotel business. And I'm going to coin a new buzzword, DNA mining. Let's see if it sticks. All this and oh so much more coming up on this episode of Smashing Security. Now, chums, chums, I think all of us from time to time have had a little dream, haven't we? We've, we thought, wouldn't it be wonderful to be a millionaire? <laughs> oh, it'd be fantastic. Imagine the bling, the fast cars, the loose women, the pedalos in the south I, of France. Wouldn't you enjoy that? It'd be terrific. I have never been driven by that, actually, I don't think. What, by a pedalo? <laughs> I love a pedalo, but I don't think I need to be a millionaire to have one or to use one, right? In the south of France with loose women and fast cars and bling Not crawl, interested. Not interested. In crusted. Yeah, you can get that TV show anywhere anyway. Well, lots of people, <laughs> lots of people would like to achieve it. And right. if we wanted to, let's just imagine, Carol, just imagine for the purposes of a podcast, which is what we're putting together today, that we did want to be millionaires. And let's okay. decide that the way in which we're going to do it, the three of us are going to hack into a website. You, me, and Tom. All right. Yeah, excellent. Right. Okay, good, good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly with me on your team. <laughs> no. I'll be, yeah, I'm on tea duty. <laughs> Now, some people say it's not that hard to crack into a, a website because lots of people use the same passwords, right? If you grab a, a username and password from one data breach, you can then yeah. apply that to unlock accounts on other websites, right? Yeah. Simple technique. You don't have to be a mastermind, Carol. Good news. Many people don't even have passwords in place. So, no. you know, there's that. I, th I think even I could hire somebody to do that for me. <laughs> mm. Now, that's all very well. But what happens if you don't know who is using the same password? So if you've got the results of a data breach and you're thinking, well, I'm going to hack into some of these people's accounts, you've still got to work out who is using the same password on different sites. Otherwise, you're wasting time. And so there are tools out there. There's a tool called Sentry MBA, for instance. Okay. A hacking tool. It's been around for a few years, which helps with credential stuffing attacks. In other words, they scoop up a whole long list of usernames and passwords, and then they will use that list to try and log into a particular website. Okay, so say, for example, my email address was in this list and my password, my favorite animal is a cat, right? Right. Are you saying they would try and use that password just to see if I'm using the same password on multiple sites? Yeah. Okay, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Now, there are ways of stopping credential stuffing if you're running the website. For instance, you could spot multiple attempts to access from the same IP address. Mm -hmm. So if you're seeing somebody who's basically spraying a website, trying to log into lots of different account names, lots of different account users, using lots of passwords, and they're coming from the same computer, you can say, hmm, bit suspicious that. I don't think that's probably what we want to go on. Now, that's a good technique to build into your website, a good protection method. It's like a behavioral algorithm or something. In right? a way, yes, because it's not a normal human behavior to act like that, is it? Mm-hmm. And also, if you come from different countries, for instance, or different time zones, that it'll it'll spot that as a, hang on, you've been logging in from London for the last six years, and now you're coming in from Moscow. How dare you go on holiday? <laughs> yeah, well, there is that too. Why is Tom trying to come in from Bangkok? 
when normally he's <laughs> from Bermondsey, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's right. Now, tools like Century MBA, they try to get around that by using proxies to attempt to log into accounts. So rather than being the same IP address each time, they might log in from lots of different ones. So you don't see this sort of, this, this, all of these attacks coming from the same place. And again, all of this is configurable with hacking tools like Sentry MBA, which make it so much easier. So we've got the tool, guys, to hack into the website. Okay. Let's hack into the website of the UK National Lottery, run by an outfit called Camelot in Great Britain. That would seem quite difficult to do, no? Well, uh, <laughs> it's not that you're necessarily going to hack into the millions and millions which they have control over. You're going to hack into different user accounts. And that actually is what happened in late 2016. There was a guy in Notting Hill. Do you know what? The thing I like about this um, this podcast is it's so timely. <laughs> the news comes in. Tell me about like it. It's like it happened yesterday. Well, well, there was this chap in Notting Hill. Not Hugh Grant. Or, oh, fuck, fuck, shit, what? No, none of that. His name was Anwar Batson. Okay. And what he did was he downloaded that hacking tool, the Sentry MBA, and he joined a WhatsApp group devoted to hacking, and he used an alias. The alias was Rose Gold. And in that WhatsApp group, he met a couple of other fellas and he produced for them a configuration file to run the hacking tool against the National Lottery website. So the configuration tool basically customizes the tool specifically for this particular attack. And he wrote up a deal with them. He said, look, what we'll do is we will split the proceeds of any money which you make from hacking into those accounts. 2016 and all the details. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you, it's, it's, yeah. We're going to come up today because, and, ah. and so it was in November 2016, National Lottery warned players that around 26,500 accounts had been accessed and they forced a password reset. And this really had repercussions on the National Lottery. Camelot, who run the lottery, they say they spent 230,000 quid investigating the attacks, tightening up their security. They say 250 customers closed their accounts as a result of the bad publicity. I don't even understand what a national lottery account would give you. What, do you put money in every month to play? Is that how it works? You can do. I you think put your so, yeah. details in there. Yeah. Ah. So, or you can have your card details in there so it takes money out every month to pay for your uh, lucky dip. Right, right. Every single week on the same numbers or wow. whatever. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a financial transaction website. Right, okay. And Camelot also paid out tens of thousands because they were planning to have a staff training event. And it had to be postponed in the wake of the hack because everyone was required to sort of you know, deal with the consequences of the hack and the repercussions. And so they lost about £40,000 that way as well. Anyway, Batson was arrested in May 2017. Look, I'm almost getting up to date by the National yeah. Crime Agency. And initially, he denied he was involved in the attack. He said, oh, no. He said, oh, no, my devices, my computer, my smartphone has been cloned. There's a bunch of guys online. They're trolling me. Do you say well, trolling or trolling? Uh, but, you know. trolling. <laughs> trolling sounds like something they do in Norway. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people pretending to be rose. No, that's not me. People are pretending. But NCA officers, they examined his devices. They found conversations between Rose Gold and others on WhatsApp where they discussed the hacking, the buying, the selling of usernames and passwords and so more. 
I think that's the thing I find most surprising is that they trusted WhatsApp because back in 2016, I don't think they had end-to-end encryption. So it seems like a weird channel to me. I thought they were one of the first to bring that on. I don't know when they did it, but I think they were one of the first. I may be wrong on that. Yeah, I, d- I don't know. I've never really used WhatsApp, so I'm, I'm, I'm not. I, I'm, it certainly has end-to-end encryption now, doesn't it? Yeah, oh yeah, it has for a number of years. But, but uh, yeah. uh, you're, you're painting a very dull picture of yourself, Graham. You, know, you don't do the lottery. You're not on WhatsApp. You're going to tell us next you're not on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. As if, come on, seriously, Tom. So Batson, yes, he kept on claiming that he wasn't Rose Gold, but the officers who were searching his house found all these clothes which were addressed to someone who was calling himself Rose Gold. Uh, so <laughs> it's, it's always it's, the little things, right? It's it is the, the little, little things. things. Criminal mastermind. There, there, <laughs> there's another little quirk in this story as well. When, when he was defending himself, his defence team, they were in court at the end of last year. And they were they were asked to produce character references to say, look, he's you know he's although he's been a very naughty boy, it's not his normal behaviour, and he's very good. And the judge was looking at these character references, and he said, these aren't really character references in relation to him committing a crime. In fact, what he had put forward were actually references from a previous employer to someone when he was applying for a job. And so he gave this to the court and the judge was saying, you can't just hand in these as character references because we all know that people lie on those things anyway or quite often write them themselves. I I probably would have done that. (laughs) No, but I'm glad you saved me from the embarrassment should I ever find myself in this situation because I would get like a, you know, a a client saying, she's great. (laughs) Well, I think being on time and the ability to make good tea does not necessarily (laughs) count as as a character you know, reference, you know. Maybe on the T, as long as it's not a suspicious colour. But you know, <laughs> So Batson ended up being convicted in relation to the hack of one particular national lottery account. He gave the username and password of a lottery player, a certain Dr. Ian Bentley, to one of his accomplices, who stole the entire contents of the account. And he... They stole a grand total of £13, <laughs> and Batson split £5. Are you and kidding that, me? F- no, I'm not kidding you. And that, That's how much he made out of doing all this, he all made this pounds. He made a fiver. He made £5, which has now resulted in him getting a nine-month sentence in jail. So... All I can say is that if you're finding London house prices rather expensive and can't afford to rent anywhere, <laughs> just five pounds will get you nine months in Her Majesty's <laughs> prison. Free food. You don't have to pay for that. Plenty of evening fun in the shows. <laughs> I think that's what they call a lucky dip, actually, Tom. <laughs> All right. Enough, Not enough. <laughs> Tom. What is your story for us this week? Please keep it clean. No smuttiness. Uh, well, I, I, I do have a little bit of seniors, but uh, a very good friend of mine put me onto this story, so I, I won't claim credit for finding it. But uh, there is a hotel brand uh, in Japan called Happy Hotels. Ah. I'm keen to know what their tagline is because they're actually a love hotel. So what what is a love hotel? Yes, Tom, tell us. What is a love hotel, Tom? It's a hotel. One makes beautiful love to a woman in, I guess. Um, Oh, uh, I didn't know he'd be so gender specific. (laughs) (laughs) 
Wow. Okay. Uh, this is very true. Because <laughs> love is made by a man to a woman. It's never <laughs> it's never a woman to a man or a woman to a woman or any other combination. It's good to know where you stand on this, Tom. Hey, I, I only go from personal experience. But, um, okay, so where two or more humans people now or more humans, a number of people humans and or others maybe quadrupeds what about self-love self-love i don't think you need to book a hotel room for that correct <laughs> you, you just need a you know a, a lock on the toilet door just need an office <laughs> at the bottom of the garden right, that'll do yeah <laughs> is that is that works for you right in your new in your new um love office <laughs> Oh, we digress. <laughs> anyway, keep on track. Keep on anyway, track. anyway, since uh, Graham picked me up on my uh, on my gender specific non inclusive speech, actually, it was me. Uh, so, Happy Hotels is a love hotel <laughs> where you can part. hire a room. <laughs> Stop your gossiping. Hire a room <laughs> for a few hours or a night without interacting with any hotel employee. So there's no uh-huh. awkward glances. It's just the surveillance cameras. <laughs> just the surveillance camera. Well, I don't know. Maybe not. Anyway, God, it feels like this is the entire story in of itself. However, they, uh, they've been hacked and the customer detail, email address, birth dates, gender, see it is important, phone numbers, login address, credit card, all of which is compromised. And that's, that's got to be embarrassing because I'm guessing many people who frequent these love hotels might be doing so without the uh, thumbs up from their maybe everyday partner or... Oh, I see. Right? That's right. So it's a bit like the Ashley Madison that's- fiasco. Well, well, precisely. And the thing, the thing about this is... You know, all joking aside, you know, and all all the sort of, you know, let's let's stick our sort of morals and ethics where the sun don't shine here because Whoa. that's not really important. <laughs> um, <laughs> There's enough hey, room. Hey, yeah, all that aside, actually, there is a very human cost. This we we saw with the Ashley Madison breach that there were very real consequences. I believe there was uh, two suicides yeah. as a result of the information coming out, etc. You know, what seems like a I was going to say, you know, a harmless criminal act, if you will, but you know what seems seems like a, you know, a stick up, effectively, in the old fashioned oh, terms please. of give us give us your money. <laughs> um, and it wasn't. Oh, Graham, you've got a filthy mind. But um, He's someone else is saying it. You know, it's not just an exchange of money, or even give us some money and we'll give you your details back or whatever. But there are real other implications to this that that result in a lot of pain and 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 death because with ashley madison there were even blackmailers weren't there who went through the database they wrote letters and sent emails uh, threatening to tell people's spouses and i guess potentially this could happen with the love hotel breach as well yeah exactly exactly and i think um a lot of people will respond to these kinds of stories and even these kinds of allegations, you know, about the after effects. Say, well, people shouldn't be doing this sort of thing anyway. Mm. You know, it's immoral, it's unethical. They're they're hurting their spouses, their significant others, etc. Uh, but actually, that's the old uh, victim blaming coming out. Mm. We should be focusing on this as a criminal act. It should be treated as a what, criminal. What going act. to the love hotel? And actually, uh, no, well, no, the hack he well, means. <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> The actual hack should be just seen as a criminal act, end of story. It doesn't matter the circumstances. Absolutely. And even, in, you know, the police, the, the, the law enforcement agencies, they don't view it like that, that, you know, at least I'd like to think so. So, you know, us uh, shouting from the peanut stands, as it were, we need to sort of focus more on the criminal act rather than 
the people that, that were right. affected Unfortunately, by it. it doesn't make as good media story, right? People love covering the oh, drama of, of people being whose lives are being shattered. Now, I might, uh, Tom, want to revisit my argument of places for self-love, because surely that would be an argument that you could use with your loved one at home, saying, look, I needed, yep. I needed a few hours to myself few hours you don't need a few you need about 18 seconds what are you talking <laughs> well, maybe, about don't you take a nap <laughs> afterwards oh i see yeah right like you yeah, know absolutely you just, and absolutely. and maybe i can i often i can't even make it to the door of the hotel so look so anyone out there may want to kind of visit that argument right so you you're know? suggesting if anyone's being blackmailed for going to a love hotel yeah. say that you would just go in there for a tommy tank Ex- and- yeah <laughs> or whatever right. tommy tank <laughs> And uh, you went, you went on your own, and uh, that's that. And what's there's nothing to it. Yeah. And to think, people say we never offered advice on this podcast. I, I think that's that's good consumer advice. Carol, <laughs> <laughs> what's your story for us this week? Okay, well, we're talking DNA tests. Oh, it's all sort of connected. That's that's what they did in the yes. hotel afterwards. <laughs> I'm going to focus on 23andMe for this story, but I think many of the points will apply to other corporations in the DNA snarfling field. According to Bloomberg, more than 10 million customers have taken 23andMe DNA tests. So this is this is this deal where you sort of spit into a or whatever into a test tube, you send it off to 23andMe, and they'll analyze it and come back with some. Yeah, we're going to go visit facts. their website in one second. Actually, oh, okay. So yeah. Do you know anyone who's done this kind of stuff, either of you? Uh, yes, I do. And did they learn anything? Is I haven't they- done it myself. Um, no one called you up and said, my dad's not my dad. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the Jeremy Kyle show. There's a few subreddits on that subject, I have to say. There's there loads of them that come in about that sort of thing. But uh, I mean, I, I've, I've not done it myself. I am, would be fascinated to find out about it because I'm, I'm kind of slightly... Um, Alien? Uh, well, <laughs> well, yes, to a certain extent. I, I, I really like the idea that, that, that most, the average Briton is a real sort of mongrel of genetics, given oh. that our, you know, our whole history. You mm. know, we've been invaded, invaded by, the, by the Vikings, by the French, by the Germans, by the, well, just about everybody. When I look at you, Tom, I see a little bit of Attila the Hun. I have to be honest. (laughs) Yeah, I like to think so. Now, why don't you guys go visit the site, actually? Okay, what's the URL? So you go to 23andme.com. The number, 23andme.com. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And take a look around. And what I'm looking for is maybe you guys just take a little sniff around. It's not too uh, complex a website. And just let me know what you think the top level messages are on the site. So I'm sort of seeing that it'll help me exercise more. It'll make me healthier because I'll know my body better. And I'll know if I've got any nasty genetics, uh, which might give me health problems in the future. That's mm-hmm. the sort of message I'm getting. Mm-hmm. Mine's, mine's just taken me to a register your kit page. Oh, interesting. It's very interesting. So I might have to try that again. But Yeah. So from what I saw on the site, right, effectively, they seem to be selling three services. Uh, mm. One is like health and ancestry. Another one called Ancestry and Traits for $99. This is US. Or you have VIP Health for a whopping $4.99. Now, what's interesting is 23andMe does research and through this right. research has been able to create an antibody. And it has agreed to license this antibody 
to a Spanish drug maker called Admiral S.A. All right. And what's this antibody do? So this antibody is developed to treat inflammatory diseases such as lupus or Crohn's disease, right? right. Very unpleasant. Yes. Nasty. I had an inflammation once, actually, when I was in Japan in a hotel, but it it, it went away. It went away after a few seconds. Yes, that's right. (laughs) So Admiral now have the rights to develop and commercialize a drug for worldwide use. Certainly, it seems that the VPs at 23andMe are thrilled, right? One of them was quoted saying, this is a seminal moment for 23andMe. We've now gone from database (laughs) to discovery to developing a drug. I'm making up my own jokes now. Okay, (laughs) I missed it. Oh, no, I I heard it too, Graham. Yeah, yeah. let's move on, Crow. Don't worry. None of the listeners will have caught it, as it were. (laughs) So... Spider-Man, isn't it? I feel like I'm out of the joke loop. (laughs) Seminal. Seminal. Yes, okay, good, good, excellent, excellent. Well done. I can, yes, good. Okay, so... How old do you feel now, Graham? Because I feel like I'm about to So, So this deal is a big deal, okay? Because 23andMe are in the business of providing you, right, personal insight into your genetic history should you decide to spit in a tube. But it's also in the business of using that trove of genetic material to create antibodies that it can eventually uh, turn into drugs or allow to be turned into drugs by drug companies. Now, Mm. just as a, uh, for what it's worth, back in 2018, GlaxoSmithKline purchased a $300 million stake in 23andMe. And this allows the pharmaceutical giant to use the trove of genetic data to develop new drugs. So I'm looking at all this, and I want to talk to you guys about it, noodle about it, because something doesn't sit right with me. Okay. So 23andMe is a private US-based company. And on their website that you've looked at, it presents a nice clean image saying spit in a tube, we'll analyze it, and we'll give you the info that and all the predictions for an agreed price. And maybe as a user, you might be presented with a statement at some point that says something along the lines of, I agree to let 23andMe use this information for medical research. Now, to me, Uh medical research means we are doing work to improve this service we provide to you, our customer, right? Like better predictions, better analysis. I don't think most people think it means that 23andMe are going to partner with the likes of GlaxoSmithKline and Almeral to make some serious moolah from an antibody developed from your raw genetic data. I mean, I, I think it's a good thing over, overall. I mean, there's plenty of pitfalls, but I think overall it's a good thing. If it's, a, it's like crowdsourcing, right? You know, you're getting a whole bunch of information, lots, lots of information from a lot of people that allows you to do stuff. Now, I think you're right that probably people don't know it's going to be used to create drugs. But I do remember um, a few podcasts ago, Carol, you were talking about the Fitbit and Google thing and how you the, the shareholder scheme, as it were, right. of here's my data. I need to get some some of that money that you're selling the company for. It could be a similar thing. If you're a contributor to 23andMe and your genetic material has been used to help create a life-saving drug, Maybe you become a shareholder in that drug. You know what? I think that's a really great idea. So I, I've made a little play on what we could do here too. So I love that you said that. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So 
I think what bugs me, though, is not that whether it's good or not good. Like, again, you know how you said earlier in your story, put your morals in your back pocket or where the sun don't shine. Let's do that with this one as well. My concern is the website's basically saying we have a very clear transaction here. Spit in a tube. I'm going to give you some information. And I'm arguing that that's not where they're actually getting their money, right? Their money is coming from these big drug deals that they're going to make. And so I'm going to put forward the term DNA mining, for big profits. And maybe there ought to be regulations in place to protect, you know, the primary shareholder of that genetic data, right? Which is, <laughs> who is that? That's me or you, whoever. I mean, there's not even a bloody thank you or a whiff of compensation to all the people whose DNA has been used to make, you know, mucho dineros for 23andMe. Not only is there no thank you, if you go look at the current, the company's current policy, right, that's on their website, they ask you to agree to a waiver of property rights. So, quote, you acquire no rights in any research or commercial products that may be developed by 23andMe or its collaborating partners. You specifically right. understand that you will not receive compensation for any research or commercial products that include a result from your genetic information or self-reported information. So that's not very nice. But people do have the option not to not to spit in the yeah. tube, right? And not to share their information. I understand that, but I wish that argument was made much more clearly, much more upfront on the website. Mm. Because once you've spat in the tube... Unless they make it more... The whole model transparent. And it's like 20, 25 bucks and we'll give you the full... The, you know, the full test and the full report, et cetera. Uh, but your data will be used for medical research or 500 bucks and we'll destroy your samples once they've been reported. Yeah, that would, that would make more sense. This is what makes me nervous is that we've got these huge multinational companies now who are gathering humongous databases of people's genetic and mm-hmm. DNA information. And who knows how that data might be used in the future or might be abused. And people are just sort of willingly handing it over. I certainly wouldn't be comfortable if someone were to scrape up some of my saliva uh, if I spluttered during a presentation at a conference and sent it off uh, to someone's database. I'll throw out your water bottle for you, Mr. Cluley. (laughs) (laughs) Think how much money we could make with an army of Cluleys. Oh, just if they were to grab the... You know, a few loose hairs from my eyebrows and try and close. You know, it's just, it's horrendous enough as it is. I I, I feel uncomfortable about these things. It's Although clones. there's clearly amazing medical advances which could potentially be made, I'm not yeah. sure we're quite ready and whether we've thought through all the implications of these things. All is not lost, right? So D, uh, 23andMe mm. do seem to have some good privacy pages, and they say you can delete everything and your DNA by deleting your account on the site. Okay. So uh, look it up in your own country, in your own jurisdictions. They do have pages on uh, GDPR and all that, so it may be different for different places. Some great um, bedtime reading. <laughs> but uh, I would compare this approach, 23andMe's approach, to the National Institute of Health, so NIH, right? And they have this project called All of Us which aims to collect the data from at least 1 million Americans in an effort to further medical research and discovery. And this, to me, seems a much better approach because it's everyone's informed as to why they're collecting this information, what the point is. So transparency. To your point, Tom, transparency. It's all about transparency. We need more of it. You know, otherwise, how are you going to get our heads around this crazy-ass world? Wise sage words. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) Boom, exactly. (laughs) Hey, Graham. Yes. There are people out there with companies a little bit bigger than ours. (laughs) 
<laughs> and one of the issues that they face is visibility and oversight. And when it comes to cybersecurity, that is super important. So Perfect. listeners, listen up. If you do not have a password manager in your organization, please check out LastPass Enterprise. They offer centralized admin oversight and control shared access and automated user management. All this stuff makes your life easier. Plus, you can even use LastPass's single sign-on to protect all your cloud apps and give seamless access to employees. So check it out at lastpass.com forward slash smashing. <laughs> Let me try that again, folks. Check it out at lastpass.com forward slash smashing. Perfect. Do you want to make it more conversational? <laughs> I don't know. I think that sounded great. And welcome back. And you join us on our favourite part of the show, the part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. 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 There you go. You can have that for free. Thanks. Thanks, Terry. Pick of the Week is the part of the show where everyone chooses something they like. Could be a funny story, a book that they've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, a podcast, a website, or an app. Whatever they wish. doesn't have to be security-related necessarily. Yeah, just like my story. Well, my <laughs> my Pick of the Week this week is not security-related. Um, Good. But it is technology-related. Okay. Because, well, uh, let, me, let me paint a picture for you. Right now... I am speaking to you from my love shack at the bottom of the garden, and it's very, very windy outside. And I don't know whether the wind is being picked up by my microphone or not, but it's certainly pretty noisy in here. What's that, Cluey? And- <laughs> <laughs> um, now, I'm not using my laptop to record this right now, right? I'm using a desktop computer, which thankfully is quite quiet. But if I was using my MacBook Pro, it wouldn't be unusual for it to start going and the fan to start up. And the problem with a laptop with the fan going crazy is that it obviously runs down the battery. And also, that's not the only thing which can run down the battery pretty quickly. Also, my MacBook Pro has something called a turbo boost mode, right? Which Apple have turned on by default, right? They just enabled it to get maximum CPU. And it's not as though my computer needs maximum CPU all the time. I don't really need the maximum power. And if I can turn off Turbo Boost, my CPU won't get so hot and the fan won't come on. And this is the brilliant bit. I am now running a program called Turbo Boost Switcher. And what it does is it means my MacBook Pro is now cooler, not just to look at, but cooler in temperature, and my battery <laughs> is lasting up to 25% longer. Ooh. And it's a really clever program. If you actually buy the professional, if you actually buy, there's a free version, but if you buy the real thing, which is what I've bought for about $9, it's got some nice features. Like, for instance, if it works out that you're on battery and not plugged in, it will automatically disable Turbo Boost, right, to preserve more battery. I mean, you did warn me that I would like this. I do. And if, for instance, um, if the fan, so I've also programmed it. I said, if the fan starts going flipping crazy and my computer gets really hot, even if I'm plugged in, then turn off Turbo Boost. And you can even say to it, look, you can have Turbo Boost 
run in when you run these particular applications. So if you've got something which is really CPU intensive, you can run the turbo moost then, but when you're not running that application, turn it off. Hmm. So you get the performance awesome. you want when you want it. This is a serious ad, Ben. Well, should be sponsor, shouldn't they? So, Graham, while you were doing um, your your bit here, I happened to look at my battery, and it was at nine percent on my ah. laptop because I'm not doing this recording from. Oh, home. you're not plugged in. I was, but the plug I was using obviously wasn't working. So ah. I, that's why you may have heard me crash around. I'm sure we'll mute that for the <laughs> listeners. But that's why I crashed around during your story because I was going, "Oh no, oh no, we might lose everything." There you go. So there you go. Okay, there I'm go. interested. So turbo thank you boost very switcher much. links in the show notes. And that is my pick of the week. Nice. Yeah. Tom, what's your pick of the week? Nothing so practical, uh, but we've we've all heard about unsolicited dick pics. What is uh, with you with the love hotels and the dick pics? He's coming in strong on his virgin man's, inaugural uh, visit to Smashing Security. Man, I like man's got to have a hobby. <laughs> I don't think any dick pic is actually solicited, surely. No one actually... Wants to see your penis, Tom. Well, you say that. <laughs> you say that. Um, there is a an STD clinic that has started a service where if you don't want to see a doctor, a real person, you can send right. them a picture of your old chap. Um, and, oh, for goodness' and sake! And it's all of its uh, in all of its um, STD glory, and Ooh. they will diagnose it for you. The the picture gets sent to a inverted commas private inbox <laughs> and they will diagnose visually so gents if you want to send a dick pic but don't like the idea of it being unsolicited you can just go to this uh, this std clinic and just send away and they actually won't mind you know all they'll say is you're all clear Okay, I have a number of questions here. Okay. <laughs> I don't see it's such a, no, it's a simple one. story. Come on, you know. Tom, it's great. Okay, Tom, does this only work for people with penises or can people with Good you question. know sporting the vagine can they take part in ah, this as well? With, with the bobs and vagine. Um I'm not entirely sure. I I I would have to find out. I'm you know my earlier faux pas, I'm not gonna be gender specific in this case. Um, so I imagine that maybe there is some, maybe that's Equivalent. a service to come, you know, I don't know. <laughs> oh, solicited, no. um, oh, virgin uh, picks. Uh, oh, crow, crow, just, can't we just go into your pick of the week? I mean, really? <laughs> this is just, <laughs> my thought was how many times do you send a dick pic before they say, please stop? There's nothing wrong with you. Other than the fact you're sending dick hey, maybe pictures. Maybe it'll get people off the streets. Maybe it'll do a service to all the women who get unwanted dick pics now that there's an outlet for them to send it to. Yeah, yeah. That's right. I mean, maybe that becomes a service in of itself. You could, exactly. You could actually subscribe to a service that allows Are you to get Are we still this- talking about this? Are <laughs> yeah. we seriously still the, talking? The, Can we just the move on? unsolicited, solicited dick pic service, nine ninety nine a month for up to 50 unsolicited dick pics that you can send. <laughs> send to Tom Langford. At- <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Crow, what's your pick of the week? Quick. Well, from Dicks to Messiahs, not the Messiah, but season one of the Netflix series called Messiah. Now, has it, have any of you seen it? I haven't seen I've, I've seen, seen the, the trailer. trailer. Yeah. And I, I read an article mm-hmm. in The Guardian or some such, which was rather critical of the program. Interesting. Wasn't okay. It so, 
This is like a 10-parter Netflix series, and we basically follow someone who emerges as a kind of cult-like figure. Like some see him as messianic, others, like the CIA, see him as a grave disruptor, right? And a grave disruptor. A grave, those, no, not a grave disruptor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Right. I understand. The story is compelling, okay? But critics are all muddled on this. Some are calling it cumbersome and bland. Seriously, mm. two words I would not use to describe the show at all. It was anything but. And others saying the show uh, show that, you know, our, us humans are simply hardwired for hope. I don't know. But the question I wonder throughout the series is whether the Messiah figure is a con artist or not, right? That's basically, right. The, that's the thing. That's that, the whole hook, right? That's the hook, right? And they play on it. Like, they revealed that when he was a boy, he entertained people with magic on the streets. Mm-hmm. They kind of allude to maybe him being a con artist, but then he does something quite special, and you're thinking, wow, how did he do that? As I remember, in one of the parables, Jesus does saw a woman in half. That was one of the tricks he pulled off in the New Testament. Did he then get one of those big hula hoops and run it around him? <laughs> but, you know, it's weird. Because of the times we are living in, it somehow feels like dangerous and brave storytelling to be talking about something, you know, that's religiously based, culturally based, and all that. So, I don't know, somehow, I kind of, to me, it gives it a bit of artistic integrity because it has, you know, some guts. Have you watched some of it? Have you watched I've this? watched it all. Oh, whole, have you? Yeah, I've watched the whole first series, not well, just that, the first oh, okay, show. So that, that, that's my question, right? Yeah. Is, a second, is there going to be a second series, and do we have to wait 2,000 years for it to come back? Or that- <laughs> <laughs> have you been waiting the last 52 minutes to say just that one line? <laughs> <laughs> um, look, it's not perfect, right? But I think it's a smart person's kind of mystery thriller. You know, and it lets you talk if you watch it with someone, right? It will certainly lead to conversations. I don't know. These are like highly divisive topics, but somehow bubble wrapped in the context of a Netflix story, you can kind of talk about them more easily, I think. Mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of a cool thing. I'm going to watch it with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. (laughs) I mean, who knows? Maybe these are the kind of shows we need to all, you know, calm the fuck down a bit, you know? Be nice to one another. Yeah. Messiah, calm the fuck down. (laughs) (laughs) And... On that slightly sacrilegious note, (laughs) it just about wraps it up for this week. Tom, I'm sure lots of our listeners would love to follow you online. What's the best way for folks to do that? Uh, So you can go to my Twitter, which is at Tom Langford. That's Tom with an H after the T. Uh, Or my uh, website, uh, TomLangford.com. Tom with an H after the T. That's where it's all going down. And you can follow us on Twitter at Smash Insecurity, no G, Twitter wouldn't allow us to have a G, and you can carry on the discussion on Reddit as well. So go and check out our Smash Insecurity subreddit. And a huge thank you to all of you for pointing your ears our way, supporting us on Patreon and giving us swoon-worthy reviews. Also, a big shout-out to this week's Smashing Security sponsor, LastPass. Its support helps us give you the show for free. Check out SmashingSecurity.com for past episodes, sponsorship details, and info on how to get in touch with us. Until next time, cheerio, bye-bye. Au revoir. Bye-bye. Sayonara, whatever. Yeah, I don't think whatever is... <laughs> Whatever, Lucas. Konnichiwa. Do you know any Japanese from your trips to the love hotels? Yeah. One room, please. One hour. <laughs> you guys. Smart tea. Is it Konnichiwa?
Carol or Carol? I'm sorry. It's, I'm, honestly, it's Carol Terio. So Carol Terio tends ah, to go. So we just got to say it with a French accent. Exactly, which ah, is quite difficult. Carol Terio. Le, yeah. Le plume de maton, Carol. Twenty Terrio. years. Twenty years I've known you, Carol. And uh-huh. you've never told me that before, how to say your name. Really? Well, never said that you've been mispronouncing her name all this time. Yeah, I've never mentioned that once. <laughs> Not once, never in one <laughs> show. <laughs> never, ever. You're right. 